everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Uh, welcome to Everything Old is New Again. This is Douglas Viviani without David Cohen one more week. We will have him back next week. In his stead, we have, for the second week in a row, a tremendous co-host that, uh, well, I'll tell you, he's been on radio for 40 years, so he's no slacker, if you will. He knows the importance of hitting those commercials on time and, and those breaks, but also he knows a lot about the entertainment industry is with respect to radio, what radio is about in terms of how does it work, what do we want to hear, and why do we want to hear it. He's the program director of KXEL 1540 in Iowa. He also is the author of many books. Go to uh, totallyiowa.com. That's totallyiowa.com. And you can get one book that I love is uh, The Floppy Show about a kid's show in Iowa. And even if you didn't grow up in Iowa, trust me, you're going to want to see these pictures and what went on behind the scenes of this show for 30 years. It was really, uh, uh, it will bring back memories. I don't care if you're in Corpus Christi, Christi or if you're in uh, uh, anywhere else in between uh, in Jackson, California, you're going to find uh, that you're going to relate to the morning show host, or actually it was an afternoon show host of, uh, of Floppy, Dwayne Ellett. And uh, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Jeff uh, Stein, thank you so much for taking some time to come back on Everything Old is New Again. This is kind of like when the comedian would make his first appearance on the tonight show if johnny called you over to uh, to the chair you knew you made it I'm, I'm held over on everything old is new again this is great i'll tell you that is a secret because what happens when we when we interview some celebrities and we'll talk about that in a moment i don't uh, tell them that i would like to have them for more than one show what i do is we start the ball rolling see if they like what we're doing see if they're enjoying it see if they're any good <laughs> most of them are but some you know are not so great and we then sort of in the last section Either I don't go out with the, the the ending, I just keep it going for another half hour and there I, or forty minutes, and I snuck out another show out of them, or I'll ask them in between. Uh, so in this case, I did ask, and you were gracious enough to come back from last week. And let's talk about celebrities just for kicks. Uh, we do uh, interview celebrities. Seems to be more often than we used to. We are getting a good response from some Hollywood uh, individuals and, and people that you will recognize their names. My my question is from the perspective of a program director because it's not with celebrity interviews for us is are not and was not in our uh, mission statement but it's come about and it seems uh, not to leave, give you a leading question here but it seems to have been very well receptive or is receptive it's re, it, the audience is kind of saying you know what we're, we're receptive to this we're enjoying the interview so uh, I guess we're going to go with it for a little bit here and so the question is with respect to radio and celebrities first of all do you hear it much and second of all does it have any attraction for these kind of people to be on the radio i think it has attraction if the people doing the interview are known to the audience and if the audience finds them to be credible so for example you did not do a lot of guests earlier on in the run of the program but as you and david talked about things and then there might be uh, an example of a guest etc you've established your credibility the audience knows that you have respect for the topic. The audience knows that you have knowledge about the topic. And so when you say to the audience, I'm bringing this guest on, 
I'd like to hear a little more from them. I'd like to talk to them about some things. I mean, it, it's sort of like we're joining a conversation with people we know, with friends, and they just happen to have a famous friend who dropped by for the, uh, the picnic or the barbecue or whatever. I think there's some benefit because, again, I host a program that airs in my state of Iowa, but I have national authors, I have national political figures, not just because we're in Iowa and it's the center of the universe every four years kind of thing, but, you know, we'll have a lot of these people on. And yes, you may hear them on national shows, but I think what makes it work for us is the audience knows who I am. And hopefully I ask the questions they would ask. And sometimes they're the same ones you might hear other places, but hopefully they're not. Now, the first thing I do when I am interviewing an author and often the publicity person will send you an email with information and here's your list of 10 suggested questions. I never look at the list of questions because I don't care what they want me to ask. It's much more interesting to me to ask them the things that I think of or that I think the audience will be interested in. And usually about halfway through the interview, I'll look at that list of questions to see if, if I was anywhere close. And, and I did an interview before we came on this week. And, and again, I didn't even know there was a list of questions. I'm just talking to the guy about the book. And it just was a very organic conversation as opposed to the individual hearing the same question for the 19th time, then they sigh and take a deep breath and launch into a talking point. So it works if the host has the credibility to make it work. Otherwise, you have no distinctiveness. You have no uniqueness, and there's no reason for me to listen to your program as opposed to six others. And further, then it just becomes a commercial for the book or for the movie. Oh, sure. You know? Sure. And, uh, and who really, you know, we, you know, I want to hear about this movie for a couple of minutes, but I want to hear about this person and what are what? they like. And what? And let me hear something different. If I turn in to, it used to be Johnny Carson, but these nighttime shows, and I hear one more story about where this person came from, uh, you know, I, 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 it, yes, it is of interest. But it's the same story you'll hear that they're going to present on all three of the nighttime shows when they visit to talk about this movie. This is what you're saying. They're telling the same, they have the same script, the same story, the same agenda all the time, and it gets to be a little dull. And that really is the challenge, then, is to ask questions that you think the audience will be interested in and that, frankly, the source is interested in. And, and to your point, uh, about a month ago, uh, the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, had a new, uh, he was the co-author of a new book of fiction. So he gets booked. Well, I'm not going to only talk about the book. And quite honestly, by the time I had done the interview, I think he was tired of talking about the book. So he happened to be under quarantine in Italy and because his wife is the ambassador to the Vatican. And so I'm asking questions that I wanted to know. You know, how is it over there? Where were you when you found out, et cetera, et cetera? How do you think the government is doing? It's a waste to simply talk about the book. Yes, that's why he's on. But again, a lot of these people would rather talk about other things. And, oh, yes, this is my book, and here's the title, and here's where you go to get it. Uh, but, but the challenge when you have one of those is what can you ask that actually is going to lead the guest to say, wow, Douglas, that's a really good question, and have them mean it as opposed to that's what they're doing to stall while they try to think of uh, some kind of an answer because they, they weren't really listening. Right, and, I, and I'm sure you get this. But off the, and it's a little different because you, you're doing it live and then you've got to go right to a commercial or a segment. So I don't know if you hold over the guest that much after. I have a little, a little secret as we're taping our interviews. So I have that little time after to say goodbye off the air. And 
I not to blow my own home, but I, I I'm sure you get this too. If you have the opportunity to talk to the person, they will say to you, "Wow, that was a really good interview. I really enjoyed that. It was different. You really did your research, uh, you know. Uh, and, and thank you so much." And and during the interview, that I know that that's happening is the first couple of questions. I start off on a diff. I'm not doing those standard questions, and I'll hear and I have to edit it out. I'll ask the question. And I'll hear the gap of three or four or five seconds, which is a long time on the radio, for them to get the wheels going. Like, I got to go on a different track here. This person is not asking me the standard question. What did he just ask again? And then present a brand new, fresh answer, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. Because, again, when you are a national person who's written a book or you're promoting a movie or whatever it may be, there's only so much you can talk about. And... Once you've exhausted that, you're just repeating yourself over and over. And so when you hear a question that is very different, I, I really think, it, you know, they appreciate that fact because what you're doing as the interviewer is you're recognizing that they are multidimensional as opposed to I was only this character or I only did this. And, you know, sometimes it's just a question of, um, you know, what surprised you the most about this or such situation? Um, when you got in to do the research about this topic, what was it that you didn't expect? And, and that's a lot of fun because they then realize, okay, this is more than just uh, mechanical. And that's much better for the audience. And it's a sparring contest then. Then they know they're, they're ad-libbing. They're, you know, they're doing an improv. They're going to have to be on their toes and actually listen to your question or your clip or whatever you might be doing to introduce that particular topic uh, of, let's say, f- word fencing with them. And it, 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 for the most, most part, these people are intelligent and they, they want to, uh, to talk about that. And I also think that when you spotlight the person as opposed to just that one project. The person themselves can sell that project because someone listening is going to say, that guy is or gal is very interesting. What are they on the radio for? What what are they pushing? What are they? So they'll wait to kind of hear that also. I want to hear more about this person, uh, What they, what they, how I can continue this interview on my own by reading their book, let's say, or watching their project. But I want to hear what they're saying now. Boy, this is, this is interesting. And I hope people are saying that now about our conversation with Jeff Stein. Go to totallyiowa.com totallyiowa.com and find uh, a number of books, anything that he has published, uh, including The Floppy Show, which is a a great book. And uh, uh, we're just having a great time with the program director of KXEL 1540 News Talk in Iowa, who, of course, play Everything Old is New Again. So there's a conflict of interest there, I guess, if there was any (laughs) uh, discussion of that. We'll be back right after this and Everything Old is New Again. So I think we're going to have Floppy say so long to you all say goodbye, Floppy. And that includes the mothers, too. Here we go now. So long, Jim. Now, back to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. We are back here on Everything Old is New Again, sans David Cohen, who will be back. Don't fret. I'll tell you what. We have a tremendous guest host. If you remember watching that old Mike Douglas show on TV, we'd have the guest host. He would be on for the entire week. So we're doing that this week with Jeff Stein for the second week, and it's just a lot of fun. The gentleman's been in the radio business for 40 years, so He's teaching us a lot about what's going on behind the scenes and what's in the mind of a great program director. Everyone 
in a conversation, the person that has something to say that is interesting is usually the person that's whether it's telling a long or a short story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and they're telling something. There's a reason why they're presenting uh, this information to you, and you want to hear the next and the next, and that's the person that's usually the one that's very popular because they have something to tell. I think, this is just my thought, that uh, you should be telling your story in your way on the radio to enjoy communicating with the general public. Am I on the right wavelength? Am I out of my mind or what? You may be out of your mind, but (laughs) you're correct. I've always thought, and when I would teach this at the college level, I would say the best interview is a conversation, not an interrogation. Okay. So again, as attorneys, we know the difference between talking with someone and interrogating them. And if the audience feels they're eavesdropping on a conversation that they could just as easily ask a question about uh, or interject, uh, then that's gold. You're going to hook that audience. And if you, as the person doing the interviewing, can ask a question and have the audience say, oh, now I wanted to know that. I would have asked that question. You know, you know, then you're in tune to the audience and it's a much better conversation overall. From the storytelling standpoint, I mean, yes, anybody can do rapid fire with facts. But if you are telling it in a way that is compelling, that leads people to want to continue to listen. Uh, I mean, again, go to your dinner party example. There's there's always somebody who folks gather around, but at some point they all scatter. And that's because he went one story too far, didn't have a point to it. It just seemed like it, they were they were forcing it. And then magically everybody else needs to refresh their drink. And then the person standing alone, hoping to find a new group of people to recycle the old material because they were out. They were, they were done. It all comes down to storytelling and, and making me want to continue listening to the conversation. And I think that that uh, brings to light to me as someone that's attuned to pop culture, uh, the scene in planes, trains, and automobiles when John Candy is being assaulted verbally by uh, by Steve Martin by saying, you're like a chatty Kathy doll. You just talk without having a point. And certainly, uh, you know, that is something that's in the back of my mind many times when I'm creating a show or trying to get an idea as to what we are doing for that hour and what story are we telling and why are we doing it or are we just listing you know nostalgia and saying do you remember this do you remember that I you know that kind of if the topic is interesting enough maybe that'll carry the day for a little bit but you have to go beyond that you have to have a point as to why are you talking about Jack Benny you know you can't just talk about his show but what about it, you know? Well, and, and it reminded me of the skit that Chris Farley would do on Saturday Night Live when he would interview these celebrities, right? And he and he would have Paul McCartney sitting there, and it would be the, you know, the total fanboy. Be You remember that time when you were with the Beatles? Yeah, that was pretty cool. There's no question. There's <laughs> no way to go with it. And then everybody's awkward. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, in, in you know, you mentioned Benny, and I've come to be... Uh, much more of a fan of late. And it's because of the fact that for whatever reason, I decided, you know, it'd be nice to kind of hear some of these shows in progression. Usually we just kind of cherry pick different episodes that we find on the internet or whatever. He started in 1932 and he was on the radio until the mid fifties when he transitioned full-time to television until the mid sixties. So, and you know, I'm a a young kid at that time. So I remember him doing specials on NBC into the seventies and, and until he passed away. Um, but you know, he was on the air for 40 plus years, 45 years. 
And how does that character stay positive in the minds of the audience? And it's because, you know, if you think today, if you're somebody who knows Jack Benny, what do you think? Well, said he was 39, even though he was clearly in his 70s, uh, was supposedly a miser and very cheap, you know, et cetera. Uh, would fly off the handle and, and yell, cut that out or wait a minute or whatever it is. And poor Dennis Day cowering in the corner. But there were the other elements of the personality that you heard every week. And it was a much fuller character. When you listen to the Benny programs, he's rarely the one that gets the laugh. Right. He sets everybody else up. And the audience could sense that because if he had the, the, the persona of, uh, being cheap, and he has this poor guy locked in the vault to guard his money and, and whatever else, you wouldn't care for that character. But because the other people got laughs at his expense, it moderated things. And, you know, shows evolve over time. You know, you talked earlier about how your program has evolved involving more guests. Uh, one of the famous characters in the Benny program, and by the way, in real life, he was one of the more generous individuals around. Um, but Eddie Rochester Anderson was his his manservant or whatever phrase you might use. Um, in the earlier days, the Rochester character uh, was much more of uh, chasing women and gambling and talking about uh, having a pistol pocketed and whatever else. And that was not portraying the character in a way that was complimentary. It was bordering on racism as we would look at it today. And so as you listen to the shows, you hear a moderation of the character. So he was not subservient to Benny. He was the employee, but they were on an even footing to a large degree. And it's fascinating with the half century of time in between to listen to these programs and listen to how this changed over the course of time. And they also made fun. I, I, in 1949, Benny jumped from NBC to CBS, one of the very first to make the jump. And William Paley stole the NBC stars so that he would have the stable of talent that when television became big, you'd already know the people. And it was wildly successful. That's why CBS was the number one network for the first 25 years. And it's a much longer story as how it happened. But in essence, CBS bought the holding company that produced the Benny show, and that gave them the right to move it. And it was for $2 million, Douglas, $2 million in 1948. You know, I mean, that's pocket change for you today, but that was a lot of money <laughs> back then. And they make a reference in one of the programs to it where Jack makes some comment, whatever, and he's out of the scene and the people left behind, passersby who had the interaction say, Huh, for that, somebody paid $2 million. And it's hilarious when you know the backstory, which was in all the papers at the time. So the character has to be likable. They, you have to make fun of, you know, I mean, if, if you did this program every week and you edited it to within an inch of its life and you never made a mistake, that's not nearly as approachable as if occasionally there's a little fluffs or flubs and it's just part of the conversation we're having. And and also those characters come alive in, uh, in that they're more well-rounded. They're not just that one characteristic uh you Absolutely. know and and you know we've we've learned that on a very small scale when we do like you know jack Pumpkinhead, who was a character that was from the wizard of oz and and he we developed he's, he's angry because all the other characters in the wizard of oz left the wizard of oz to have some success and he's still looking for that success he was left holding the the can so holding the whatever <laughs> holding the bag and so he's angry about that but that only plays for a little bit 
Then he's introduced to another character. Then they're trying to scheme as to how to get on the radio and get their own radio show and whatever it might be. If you're listening to our show here and there, you'll hear these things. Um, and we're just learning that, that the idea is when we're fleshing it out. They don't, characters, Jack Benny or anywhere, I think, don't just go on, come on, right, let's put it this way, successful characters don't just come on to the radio or a performance for, you know, for, for just for the sake of that they have an accent or they're funny looking or sounding. They have to have something to say. And beyond that, once the audience has heard the first initial presentation, they've got to grow. Like you're meeting a person, you first see them, they're a good baseball player. But wow, I didn't know that person could cook a steak or whatever, is married and has kids. You know, you have to develop that character. Otherwise, it's not interesting anymore. Well, think about contemporary programs uh, on, on network television. For example, they'll present the first one and it may be what they call the pilot this was what the network bought and you watch the first episode and invariably you sit there and think to yourself or converse with the person you're watching the show with you say well that was all right but i'm not sure where they go with it to be able to go somewhere with it you have to be able to take it somewhere else and you know one of the things you know now everything is so tightly scripted heaven forbid you do anything out of line those old shows and when you talk about bob and ray again uh as i recall uh, Bob was the morning host and Ray was the newscaster. And then they sort of started talking on the air and pretty soon came the comedy routines. And half the time they fell flat. Half the time it went nowhere. But then they would joke about it. And that's what made it funny. Because in essence, they were doing at one point 15 minutes a day, five days a week. Okay, that doesn't sound like much. You go try doing 15 minutes of comedy a day, five days a week. Right. And what was great is that they just would roll with it. Same thing, you know, in a later era with Carson. The joke would die, and then he'd reach up to grab the microphone and tap on it, like, right. are, are you hearing this? Or he'd do the soft shoe or whatever it is to save it. And that creativity and spontaneity is what's missing today from all manner of entertainment. I agree. And uh, we will continue discussing all things radio with Jeff Stein from KXEL, totallyiowa.com, totallyiowa.com. You can take a look there and see everything that he's gotten involved with, which is tremendous work. And uh, 40 years of radio will be uh, providing us with more insight right at this and everything old is new again. Whatever you do, wherever you go, you'll have more fun with the radio at home or in your car. These days, the news is full of teen suicide, drug and alcohol abuse, bullying, violence, and crime. It's depressing and concerning, but there is hope. Former WWE Intercontinental Champion Mark Merrow of the Champion of Choices program. Please tell us about Champion of Choices. Champion Choices is a live presentation that empowers students to make positive choices and live their best lives. It teaches students that they can write their own future by setting goals and pursuing their passions. Through this presentation, I teach students how to live a drug-free life, prevent bullying, avoid peer pressure, and keep negative people out of their lives. We are defined by our choices. There is hope. To schedule a Champion of Choices presentation for your school or organization, call 407-862-4800. That's 407-862-4800. Or visit thinkpaws.org. That's thinkpaws.org. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show. 
with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. We're back here on Everything Old is New Again with Jeff Stein, and we're having a great time. We have one more segment with him. He's held over, if you will, from last week to this week. Let's just explain or get an idea for the listener of Everything Old is New Again. What is the thought process of a program director of a 50,000-watt station. What's their thought process when they hear a presentation? Hey, you know what? There's this show, Everything Old is New Again, uh, and it focuses on pop culture. Uh, why don't you give it a shot? You know, what, generally speaking, goes through your mind in terms of programming and this show in particular? You want to have some sort of flow. And at the time that the show came on the air a few years ago with us, we had old-time radio shows on Saturday nights, and we wanted to do something, I'll say, similar on Sunday nights. And there was a producer in Chicago who had licensed the old Rod Serling Twilight Zone scripts and had converted them to radio. And so we had this two hours of the Twilight Zone. And that's no longer being produced. But we thought, well, that needs a little something to lead into it. And so you reached out and said, hey, I've got this show. Give it a listen. And it it ticked off a lot of boxes in terms of it was interesting it was something unique again these are all things we care about and it was a nice compliment into something like the twilight zone well that show no longer exists and we still keep everything old is new again because now it is established and the audience knows that it's there and we did recently slide the time just a, a little bit to seem to fit a little bit better in a sunday late afternoon time but what you want is something that you think will appeal to the audience and that sort of flows into the next thing. And weekend programming is different because you have many different people listening at different times. And so I like a variety of programming. And so as, as I've mentioned uh, before here, uh, you come on right after a travel show and right before a political talk show because it's the weekend and we pick up different sections of the Sunday newspaper and it just kind of fits that way. So I want something that is engaging. I want something that is to a little degree unpredictable in terms of just not sure where it's going to go and something that that is not a speed bump. Right. Uh, if you will with other programming that we have. That makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate that, and uh, and thank you for the answer. The then next question then is... And by the way, you were free. I say that because ninety five percent of the programming the, these days is free, so it's right. But, but we're free, so that was a good. Thing. <laughs> it's a good feature, uh, I'll tell you, and and it's it's so helped sell us. But once people listen, I, I think they they as we've been talking about, they need to like the hosts because the topic will change every week. And sometimes, yes, there's interviews, but with celebrities, sometimes there's interviews with uh, people that are, you know, uh, made-up characters. Sometimes it's, many times, just David Cohen and I uh, talking about and trying to tell a story about a particular genre of pop culture entertainment. Uh, but you have to like the people, so hopefully that's uh, what's happening as well. Now, along those lines, though, a, a more broader question from a uh, you know, perspective of someone that is in charge of a radio station, basically, right? Um, the idea is, what makes a good radio show? Uh, is that too broad a question? It's, you know, what makes it compelling for someone to say, I want to listen to that station and those shows all the time? It has to do with a connection with the audience and genuineness. Genuineness. 
the ability to speak helps. And apparently I've, I've left, <laughs> left that at the door for I'm, your I, show. But, but, it's influ- but, I'm influencing you for the negative. That's the positive. Uh, you're, That's you're, the problem. You're, a ba- you're a bad influence on me. <laughs> Not the first time somebody has said you're a bad influence I trust. It's, no, it, it's, a, it's a matter of uh, you're genuine. You have to have some level of competency so that when the topic comes up, you ask good questions or that you are engaging. I mean, if, if it's a disc jockey who mispronounces the name of the artist, no, you know, I mean, you, you don't know the music. You're just simply reading something on a screen. So there's got to be a legitimacy uh, to the whole thing. I think that's one of the real keys to success. And, you know, if I'm doing an, I did an interview earlier today with an attorney and we were talking about estate planning and charitable giving in this age of the coronavirus. It's helpful for me to point out that I am an attorney also because I can ask a certain question. I can justify how it is. I knew this guy, et cetera. I don't mention that all the time because it's not relevant. Uh, But if I'm doing a political interview, it might be relevant to point out that I first started covering the Iowa caucuses 40 years ago. So if nothing else, I've picked up a little bit along the way. And that's what builds the relationship. And when I mess up, if I don't push the right button or, or whatever, I'm going to tell people that. I'm not going to say, I used to have someone work here who blamed an unseen engineer for all the faults. You know, if there was something wrong, he would blame the engine. There was no engineer. It was him. And the first time I, I was in my office, I looked up at the speaker when he said, oh, you got to do a better job. And, you know, like, Douglas, you got to do a better job. And I'm thinking, there's nobody here. And I realized it was his way of being perfect to the audience. Well, that, that's ridiculous. You just simply say, well, apparently after all these years, you'd think I'd know how to push the right button. Sorry about that. And let him in on it and move along. And you don't dwell on it. You don't an hour and a half later say, well, I guess I got better. I didn't mess up the buttons this time, but you just own it. You be natural and you let that come through. And if the audience likes it, great. And if they don't, that's why there are other stations. Right. And, but you have to be, uh, as we've gone back, you know, full circle here, the original topic uh, last week was, you know, you need to be, and, and, and Larry Lujic uh, told us this, you need to be yourself and to be genuine. It's pretty obvious, but it's not necessarily obvious to everyone that gets into the business. Because when I was growing up, it, things were changing, and and uh, talk radio gave you the opportunity to, or conversational radio gave you the opportunity to be yourself. But before then, it was at least in the house. Everyone's perception was these are perfectly dictioned people. These are people that never say um. These are people that know exactly what they're going to say before they say it. These are people that can read a piece of paper, and you don't know that they are reading the piece of paper. So when I was reading. Shakespeare in 11th grade and you had to do it out loud and I stumbled over these words in my mind I am never going to do radio I can't read out loud you know and that stayed with me forever and that was a a stumbling block it depends on the type of radio I mean if your job is to read uh, commercial messages then yeah you're going to have to read it and, and do it pretty well and pretty efficiently if it's conversation radio you need to have much more of a flow to it but the, the concept of the, the perfect voice and the perfect persona, there is that. And you do expect that out of certain aspects. But it's a fine line to, to cross or to straddle, I should say, between being approachable and making people think they can do it, but not everybody can do it. So you have to be a little bit better than that. 
and that, and that sounds very awkward, but you have to be someone that the audience would like to be involved in a conversation with, but you need to not sound so off the street every man that they turn away because they say, well, I don't think he's organized. I don't think he has it all together. He doesn't know what he's doing. Exactly. And again, that, the, you know, the, the trick is you make it look easy. You know, driving a race car sure looks easy. They drive in circles. Well, uh, you don't put me there because that's <laughs> yeah. not going to end well. We'll be back right after this and everything old is new again for one more section with Jeff Stein, author of The Floppy Show. How about Making Waves, the people and places of Iowa broadcasting? One week in June, the Iowa floods 2008. And Iowa's Who Radio, the voice of the Middle West. These are great books that you can find at totallyiowa.com. That's totallyiowa.com. Well worth it. Any and all of these books uh, get to it. I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to dig into what's happening in your local area, and then even to look from the outside looking in and see what's going on in different parts of the country. So it's really Making Waves talks about all kind of Iowa broadcasting. It's so interesting. And uh, and there was a flood of uh, uh, some significance here in 2008, and they talk about that. These are some great... Uh, great books the floppy show is my favorite talking about kids shows uh and a kids show that existed for a number of years in des moines and that general area so anyway we will continue with jeff stein from kxel right after this on everything old is new again next mary backstage noble wife the story of America's favorite family of the footlights and their fight for security and happiness against the concrete heart of Broadway. All right, so Doug, people have been saying, hey, I could find you guys on YouTube. You have your own YouTube channel. I can find you on Facebook. But what about other social media? Do you exist anywhere else in the social media universe? Yes, we do. We're on Instagram and we're on Twitter. At the same thing, you go at E-O-N-A show. That's everything old is new again. The initials, right? So it's E-O-N-A show. And that's it. At E-O-N-A show. You got Instagram, Twitter. And I'll tell you, we post pictures, behind the scenes stuff, trivia questions, contests, notes about the show. So you have a lot of fun. Subscribe to us. Friend us on Facebook if you can. And, and subscribe to the YouTube. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's fun. I'm going to even start doing that. Ah, it might be worth your while. You can actually know what we're going to do next week. <laughs> Good. <laughs> at E-O-N-A show. That's at E-O-N-A show. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Hey, this is John Delancey, and I am listening to Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani. This is Jerry Cooney, former heavyweight uh, contender. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Hey, this is Joel Hodson. I'm the creator of Mystery Science Theater 3000. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again. My name is Nicholas Meyer. I am the writer-director of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and several Sherlock Holmes novels, including the forthcoming The Adventure of the Peculiar Protocols. Hello, this is Paul Michael Glazer. 
You may know me from Starsky and Hutch. I was the, the dark-haired one. I've uh, been uh, writing. I've got a book out called Cristalia and the Source of Light, which is on Amazon. And I've been painting, and I've been I've been doing my thing, as I hope you've been doing your thing. And uh, I am right now enjoying a really interesting conversation. Everything old is new again, so give it a listen. Hey, this is Dr. Peter Weller, a uh, member of the major motion picture community and television community and the artist community, and now I'm the community of everything old is new again. And I don't know, it's my third, fourth, fifth, sixth, my hundredth time on this show, but it will, how, however many it is, it is constantly a privilege and a thrill to be with Douglas and David on Everything Old is New Again. How's that for a cross-section of a sample of the guests that we have had on Everything Old is New Again this year alone? We're joined by another terrific guest for the second week in a row, peeling the onion, taking a look behind the scenes of radio and celebrating radio itself with the program director and broadcaster and historian and author, uh, Jeff Stein. He can be found daily on KXEL. You know, go ahead and take a look at totallyiowa.com. That's totallyiowa.com. You can see all of his you can see all of his books right there. The Floppy Show, One Week in June, The Iowa Floods, Making Waves, The People and Places of Iowa Broadcasting, Iowa's WHO Radio, The Voice of the Middle West. It's a uh, a great look at a radio station that was started in 1924. If you're into radio, you've got to be really enjoying the last two shows. And I'd like to continue with Jeff. This is provincial. It's, it's local. But maybe everyone remembers America's mayor of, of Ed Koch. I don't know if you do or not. Oh, sure. But he, when he had a radio show for a little while after he left the office. And mm-hmm. he had great things to say. However, he was constantly saying, and I think it was this. I know it was one affectation, but I think it was, ah, something like that. He was doing all the time. And after a while, you just could not accept it anymore. Once in a while, if you're talking, you stumble. You know, it makes sense in conversation. But if you have those idiosyncrasies that are just going to turn someone off, too, is what you're saying, uh, that's not going to work. How did you, in the last minute or two we have here, develop and or was it inbred the ability to read the way you do and to converse the way you do with it seemingly effortless with with the way that you pronounce everything beautifully and you don't seem to stumble and say ah very much at all is it experience or something else it's just luck today because you know things things are working today i (laughs) i might go sliding off the edge in five minutes no it's it's a matter of i i i can't take credit for my speaking voice because i inherited it my father had a wonderful speaking voice. Uh, he would be the fellow in our hometown who'd get up as the representative of the chamber and do a talk or, or whatever it is. And he had a great presence. And I inherited that. And as I get older, I hear sometimes his voice coming out of my mouth, which, again, when you pass that, you're, you're, you're just, it's very odd. It's an odd feeling when you start hearing your father's voice coming out of your mouth. So I can't, uh, I, I can't take any credit for that. But the benefit is, you know, I was encouraged to read. And I loved reading, which led to then reading out loud and speaking. And it's also, and again, it is experience. It's uh, how, how is it that I can do election night? Well, I used to do sports play-by-play. And they're the same thing, really, Douglas, because you know the players. You know that there's a scoreboard. But how we get from point A to point B is wide open. There's no script. 
And so you, you develop and take advantage of what skill sets you may have so that then you can, you can maximize it. That's really what it comes down to. And, and, you know, maybe I've done it enough to where I'm used to it. But uh, I think it's just a matter of every individual, and, and we've both seen lawyers who are great lawyers if it's a real estate contract, but don't put them in a courtroom because they don't have that presence. It's just the same thing, a matter of figure out what it is that you might be able to do, that you can do well and can do easily, and then trying to find somebody to pay you to do it. Right. And that's sort of the way that it's gone. And practice hard at it and work hard at it. You know, you need to develop for sure. And experience is no, there's no uh, substitute for experience. That's for sure. So Jeff Stein, thank you so much for spending so much time with us here on everything old is new again. Uh, let's, let's be clear about this so we can uh, understand that totally Iowa.com or the floppy show.com. You can go to and, Pull up some uh, information about Jeff and some projects and purchase some books. It's well worth it. Jeff, thank you so much for the time, and we'll uh, speak with you another time, I'm sure, down the line. Thank you very much for being on Everything Old is New Again. What a great privilege. Always good to talk to you, Douglas. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. And there he goes, Jeff Stein with us here for two shows on Everything Old is New Again. Uh, He's a broadcaster, as you know, and you heard a historian a uh, real interesting gentleman, loves the radio, is a, a person that teaches, certainly has written a number of books that you could find on totallyiowa.com, totallyiowa.com. And the books don't just relate to Iowa. They might use Iowa as a background or a background for, you know, the, the Flappy Show, which was a show that was in Iowa. But it is sort of a microcosm of the shows that you listened to and watched as a kid, you know, uh, back in the day. And it doesn't have to be floppy. could have been somebody else. You will relate to what he's writing about here. Uh, People and Places in Iowa Broadcasting, Making Waves is the name of that book. Another one there. And uh, there's a bunch of books you can take a look at. I really think it's worth your while. TotallyIowa.com. Iowa's WHO Radio, the voice of the Middle West. You can hear Jeff Stein uh, all the time. On, uh, on KXEL, and that's uh, another station that you want to take a, a listen to. He uh, talks uh, truly as a professional to politicians, and he holds a, a you know nice uh, audience there with respect to uh, entertainment and uh, current events. So he really he has some great guests on his show. You can get that on uh, KXEL. Go to KXEL.com, I guess it would be, or Google uh, <laughs> KXEL, and you will find out the uh, you know the link as to hear uh, how to hear that that show and and that station. So uh, anyway, we've had a great time on everything old is new again. Talking all things radio. Hope you did as well. I'm wondering why you listen to everything old is new again. We're calling it appointment radio in some ways. That this is a show that is different and sort of uh, something that hopefully is making radio fun. And so if so. Do me a favor and shoot us a note. Let us know what's going on on your mind here. And you can find a way to communicate with us at our website, everythingoldisnewagain.biz. That's everythingoldisnewagain.biz. And or simply shoot me a note uh, and or David a note on oldnewagain at aol.com. That's oldnewagain at aol.com. We're here each week right here on your favorite station 
And you know what? Wouldn't be a bad idea to let your station know that you're enjoying our show. Uh, it sort of helps us solidify us a little bit here, and uh, it really is important for stations to hear and feel feedback about uh, different uh, programs, and this one would be certainly one uh, that could use your help. So feel free to do that. You can go to any website or the website for your local radio station, and certainly you can uh, communicate. They all have a way to communicate through their website. Anyway, we'll be back next week on Everything Old is New Again to continue talking all things entertainment, pop culture, Come on back. Everything old is new again. This is Douglas Viviani of Everything Old is New Again, and I'm joined in London by David Soule, co-star of the legendary television series Starsky and Hutch. Not only has David managed a brilliant acting career, but the fact is he began as a folk singer, and since the mid-70s, he's recorded five albums, including such international hits as Don't Give Up On Us and Silver Lady. Hello, David. I understand you've got some great news for us. Thanks, Douglas. And yes, I'm very pleased to be with you and your audience, albeit by phone. <laughs> to announce the release of David Soul Go, a three-CD set of 44 songs I've compiled from five albums and including five international hits. And for all you vinyl fans, we're also releasing a 14-track gold vinyl album that includes all the hits, some of my favorites, plus a brand-new recording of the iconic 1976 U.S. number one hit, Don't Give Up On Us. You know, in these days of uncertainty and COVID-19, where so many of us feel isolated. Remember that music is a friend and can help soothe some of the anxieties we may all feel. I'll tell you this, you will have a friend in David Soul Gold. And there you have it. Everything old is new again. And this 3D set, the gold vinyl album, and David Soul are back and better than ever. And you can order David Soul Gold CDs and album online at davidsoul.com. That's davidsoul.com or on Amazon. Thank you, David. Here with uh, John Billingsley, and we're talking about the Hollywood Food Coalition. John, what is this? Well, I'm the president of the board. We serve a hot, nutritious five-course meal to hungry men, women, and children seven nights a week, 365 days a year. Been doing it for 33 years. We distribute clothing and shoes and blankets and backpacks and you name it. And we help people access a huge array of other services from partner groups. And if you'd be interested in making a donation, hofoco.org, three bucks, buys a hungry person a great five-course meal. H-O-F-O-C-O.org. You've been listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's pop culture entertainment talk show. Find us on the web at everythingoldisnewagain.biz. That's .biz. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station.